Today we start a brand new series uh, for this month of uh, June. We're really excited. And uh, again, if you have maybe your phone and you want to jump on the Real Life app, again, there's a couple of things you heard about already. We'd love for you to sign up for one of our backyard uh, life groups. Uh, they're a little bit um, uh, casual for the summertime, so not quite as uh, intensive with maybe study, but a lot of hangout time with a chance to dig in a little bit. We'd love for you to jump into one of those groups and meet a bunch of people. They're all kid-friendly, um, and it's a chance to hang out with a bunch of people, um, usually about twice a month. They're a little bit less scattered through the summer. We know a lot of people have plans. So you can get on your app and just fill one of those out, all about our sermon notes. And so we're going to put some of the things on the screen today, but it's a chance for you to follow along and listen along um, all week long. And again, just let these words kind of soak into your spirit, into your soul. So for this month of June, I'm talking on the title about Ask More and Get Less. We're going to ask more and get less. You say, Pastor Jim, what kind of deal is that? Well, let me ask you a question to get started. Today's going to be a little bit of an overview of our series and what we're going to unpack over these next couple of weeks. So how many of you would agree with this this morning, that your decisions determine the direction and the quality of your life. Yep. How many know that we recognize that our day, our life is filled with decisions, filled with questions that have to be answered? And so what we want to do in these weeks is to learn that your decisions really create the story of your life. And your decisions, along with mine, we are either telling a good story or quite possibly a not-so-good story, based on the decisions that we are making. And some of us have a struggle to make the right decision to provide the right answer in a time of crisis or a time of need, and we have found ourselves making the wrong decision. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe a little grunt from the crowd if you know that's been true in your life sometime. The truth is, is that nobody plans to complicate their life with bad decisions, but far too many people don't plan not to. And so sometimes it's left that in the moment, and, and then we're kind of lost about what to do. It seems like the world comes crashing in on us, and the pressure and the power of the decision and realizing the effects that it could have, and we really then don't know what to do. And so in this time, I think there are five game-changing questions that can equip us to make better decisions, better financial decisions, better relational decisions, better family decisions, maybe even better decisions at work or in your professional career. That if there was a way to know, to ask better questions, to, to be better prepared for some of the decisions that are going to affect the quality and the direction of your life, then I think that is something that we all want to know. Let me take you back a little bit in your life. How many of you maybe had a parent and maybe in those developmental stages of your life, you know, maybe your early teens, mid-teens, whatever, you're starting to figure some things out, and rather than your parent just giving you the answer, they would just pose to you another question. How many remember those moments, right? I mean, all you really wanted was the answer, but they wanted to pose more questions. How frustrating was that? I remember that that was a big quality of my dad. A lot of his response would then be followed up, well, what are you going to do if I'm not around, right? 
I'm teaching you to, to survey the situation, to ask the right questions, to, to go after the right answer, so you can't come to me all the time just looking for the answer, because I'm not going to be here all the time. But I would look at him and say, but dad, you are here right now. Give me the answer, right? I remember especially in trying to do math uh, and kind of higher level math. My dad was much more of a genius than me. I think I got maybe my mom's math skills and, and not my dad's. And uh, as we were learning algebra and trying to move through uh, ge- you know, trigonometry or calculus, what, whatever kind of the high school track would be, uh, my dad could do it all. Um, and, and I would just simply say, just give me the answer but you know in those higher levels of math, it's the formula, it's the plan to get to the answer. Like, I just went like brain dead on all of that stuff. And I'm like, just give me the answer. And he would always tell me, but if you don't know the process, what is it going to help to give you the answer, right? So he was trying to connect some dots. He was trying to help me along the way. And so here's what I want to share with you this morning. The, the keystone, I think, of of our whole series and what we want to unpack, what gets woven into, I think, every decision that we are going to make, certainly as a believer, is here's the fundamental question that I want to help you with today, is what is the wise thing to do? How many of you are maybe emotional answerers, right? Like we just get stressed out, we don't know what to do, so like we just go after it, right? We just pick something. How many of you, you don't know where you're at, you take that multiplication, uh, multiple answer quiz, and you just determine, well, my answers are just going to be A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, right? I mean, we just realize that rather than that so much of that stuff just kind of gets me, but really the hope that is really in the soul that God wants to bring out of every one of us, that whether it's with your family, whether it's with your finances, whether it's with your job, what is the wise thing to do? In fact, there's an entire book, several, but an entire book where we read of Solomon who, Scripture denotes as the wisest man that ever lived, and he brought forth his wisdom because that was the gift that he asked God for. He, that's a pretty wise thing, but what he wanted was what? Wisdom. How many think that's a pretty wise thing to ask for? It's probably not what you and I would have asked for. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, we would have wanted, right, a Corvette. We wanted a big house. We wanted a lot of stuff. And yet Solomon was able to link into something to cause his story and his legacy to be far different than anyone else. What is the wise thing to do? And so, you see, what I wanted was direction from my dad But he only offered me more questions. But in opting for more questions over direction, I want you to hear that today. But but moving forward and getting more questions rather than just simple direction, my dad connected some dots that became very beneficial in my life's journey. And I think that they will be beneficial for you as well as we open up this idea of how we can understand wisdom so that God can use what he has gifted us in a greater way for the kingdom. So let me share with you a couple of connections that we will unpack over these next couple of weeks. So number one, if you're taking notes or maybe you're following along with me this morning, there is a connection between good questions and good decisions. For those that have struggled and and maybe find ourselves making more wrong choices along the line, maybe some blunders, and, and then when we look back, we realize that 
there were different ways that, that I went after this. Like I said, maybe I was stressed. Maybe I was emotional. Maybe I didn't know what to do, and so I just kind of went after. Or maybe people affirmed different things, uh, trying to get out of me what they wanted from me, and I didn't know that at the time. And had I asked more questions, had I dug in a little bit more, I wouldn't have been taken advantage of the way I was. And so there is a connection between good questions and good decisions. And let me say it this way maybe instead. Good questions lead to better decisions, and better decisions lead to fewer regrets. You see, I think that's what challenges us that the older that we get, that we end up living with regrets because we never knew how to face the situations that were around us. No one helped fill our tool bag or helped us in the process. And we're not just going to get answers, we're going to find direction. Let me give you a second connection for us today. There is no such thing as a personal decision. Let me share this a little bit more. You see, there is a fine line when we think about what kind of questions do I need to be asking. Because if questions are uninvited, then it feels like we are being questioned, right? And that doesn't really go over too much, too well for most of us. Our defenses go up and our learning aptitude goes down, right? So I want you to think about, again, maybe back in your your teenage days when you were kind of finding yourself and wanting to make these decisions and then mom and dad would question or maybe, again, it's maybe in a boss situation today or as an employee or whatever, that when you start to feel you are being questioned, right, man, now we find some resistance. Now we want to have some comebacks and we recognize that the goal or the period of learning is probably never going to happen And the truth is, is that we recognize there is no such thing as a personal decision. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications. There have probably been a lot of things in your life that you were trying to keep hidden. Decisions that you were making thinking no one will ever find out. How many have found the fallacy in that? Eventually, right, we realize every decision becomes public. And fact is, is that most of it happens more around our families and those closest to us first. Those things that we try to hide or those things that we try to skirt or those things that we're trying to avoid, and it tends to reveal itself more with those that are closest to us first than anything else. Every decision we make impacts somebody in our life, and again, more times than not, starts with those that are closest to us. Clay Christensen was a, is a professor at Harvard, Harvard Business School, and he said this, questions are plans in our mind where answers fit. If you haven't asked the question, the answer has nowhere to go. It hits the mind and bounces right off. And he says this, you have to ask the right question in order to open up the space for the right answer to fit. You see, when we're not in the right place and we make snap judgments or snap decisions or things that we haven't prayed about, thought about, we haven't kind of fleshed out, we recognize oftentimes we make the wrong decision that has ramifications much greater than we ever intended or hoped for. Maybe you think about these jigsaw puzzles that 
Clay Christensen talks about. We've probably all done jigsaw puzzles at some point in our life, and there are some pieces that look like they fit, but they don't. Now, what do probably 95% of us do? I'm going to what? Make it fit. And all the time we're pushing and pounding and wanting to make it fit, there's something in the back of our mind that's saying, but it's not the right piece. And what happens? We do it anyway. And I want you to magnify that into some of the decisions that you have made in your life. Pieces that weren't right for you, but what? You tried to make it fit. And how does that go for us? Usually not very well. Just like it doesn't fit in the puzzle, it doesn't fit in your life as well. But unlike a little simple game or a piece of artistry as a jigsaw puzzle where there's not much ramification, there is a lot as it comes in terms of your life. And I want you to think about not only your life, but the life you are living for your family or your kids. The decisions that you make that have long-lasting ramifications that you might not be thinking about in the moment that may have devastating effect in the legacy that's coming down the line. That's why it's good for us to know what is the wise thing to do. That's why I'm sure God spoke to Solomon and his words that were put into the word of God so that we have literal books of wisdom for you and I to soak into our soul, for God to help us in these moments so that it not just wreck our story, that we don't want it to wreck the story of those that are coming downstream from us as well. Listen, I think we're living in an age today where counseling has had a resurgence, that people are stressed, people are dealing with effects of decisions that have happened to them, maybe as a child or as a teenager, and they're living an unfulfilled or an unproductive adult life, and they're wondering, where do I go from here? And so, again, this idea of, of getting help, of finding a counselor, again, has found great resurgence. So let's talk about that for just a minute. You see, most counselors know that it's not their job to tell you what to do. But that's what a lot of us go in for, right? We kind of think, man, if I go to someone, whether I go to the pastor, whether I go to a, a professional counselor, my hope is, is that simply they're going to tell me what's wrong and what I need to do to get it right. But if you are a counselor, you know that's not your job. Your job is not like a parent, like my dad back in my high school days, is not to tell us what to do, but to provide some questions, hello? Provide some questions that will enable you in making right decisions, get out of some of the difficulty or struggles that you are finding yourselves in. So if you ever go hiking or you're kind of working off a GPS, they call them breadcrumbs. Like if you're ever lost somewhere, so even on my watch today, whenever I go ride or I go into unfamiliar areas, I just hit a button and it says, do you want me to leave some breadcrumbs? means like these little spots so that if I get to a spot where I am totally lost, how am I ever going to get back? I realize all I have to do is follow the breadcrumb trail all the way home. 
You see, that's what the power of wisdom and questions do for us. Because there are probably some of you that are in the room today that in some area of your life you are lost. Maybe raising kids. You're out of your element. You're lost. Maybe hurts and pains, abuse, things that happened to you, and now you're trying to be productive in your adult life, but you're taking the three steps forward and two steps back, and you wonder, again, you're, you're lost. And it would be great for somebody to just tell you what to do to get out of that, but we realize that will never be the longstanding answer that you need. It's you understanding that someone has to help me to ask the questions I need to ask myself to get back to health. Somebody say yes with me today. So what is it that I need to understand and help for that to happen? You see, it would be great if we would know all of these questions that need to be asked before we need to ask them. You see, but we tend to ask, will this make me happy? Will I enjoy this? Will this hurt me? Will anyone find out? You see, a lot of our questions don't have long-lasting. We don't see the long-lasting effect. It's, it tends to be more momentary. The instant gratification question, just get me through today. Just let me get through this situation. But we never learn to ask the right questions that are not just for the moment, but for our legacy. You see, a lot of those questions, like I just mentioned to you, they are recipes for regrets. If you're trying to find the answer of, well, what makes me happy? Will I enjoy this? What, what good is it for me? If those are the questions that we tend to ask, we realize that is a recipe for regret. You might find momentary help in the moment or what you think will be, but the long story of your life is going to write a really bad tale. And so this week, in working with the police department, I was called to the scene for three overdose deaths this week. I was called downtown last Tuesday for a 19-year-old who the night before found someone, a drug dealer, and made a drug deal, and in his car took cocaine that was laced with fentanyl. I was there with the coroner, I was there with the chief of police, I was there with several other officers, and the coroner looked at me and said he probably had no idea. He took one snort and literally fell over dead in his car that evening and was not found until about 12.30 the next day. On Thursday, I was called. Three people in a little apartment walked into the door to find two weeping young adults, their other friend laying dead in the living room floor. Hadn't done it for a long time. I don't know. All I heard was from the two living people. I don't know why we did it. I've been clean for so long. I don't know what it was that that got me started to take it again. Listen, I understand, have understanding, so many others. It's like Russian relation. But we recognize today in talking with Dr. Carey and so many others, it's like Russian roulette of the way these drugs are laced with these death drugs. 
And yet still, the question was more as, will this make me happy? Will this get me? I'm, in fact, this, this young man just said, I'm so stressed. I'm, my life is so stressful. Less than 30 years old, watches his friend die. You see, these are real questions. We're living in a real world where these situations and people are looking, whether for a momentary, I'm sure all of them, but if I just kind of snort this, if I just, this will clear my head just to get me through to the next day. And we realize not only in our city, but cities around the world, young people like this are never waking up. We're not asking the right question. We're seeking things that are never going to provide the help that we need. It doesn't take me long to wonder, God, how did you open up a door for me to be in this kind of environment? It doesn't take long to stand beside people to realize you're asking the wrong question. You're seeking the wrong stuff that's going to provide the hope and the healing that you need in your life. And so my task for this month is that I want to help you here today with biblical direction to make the best possible life decisions while leaving the fewest regrets. Is that a deal for everybody? Can I say that one more time? What I want to do this month is to help you find biblical direction to make the best possible life decisions while leaving the fewest regrets. Who's going to take that deal with me today, right? Sounds like a really great deal. Let me make a third connection with you this morning. When it comes to decision making, there is no necessary correlation between knowing and doing. You see, I'm not here just to give you facts and figures to fill your head. There's something that we have to act on. We have to understand the wisdom and the truth. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's going to be hard to say no. It's going to be hard to shift lanes. It's going to be hard to walk away from some of the people that are, are, are challenging you and, and keeping you in a place where you shouldn't be. Walking away from some people or some situations or some product that you think that you need that is just simply messing up your life more. It's going to take some real manpower, woman power to recognize that first of all and then really make some changes in your life to get away from that. There is a difference between knowing and doing and that key is that wonderful word discipline. Come on, say it with me. Discipline. You see, that's how we make big changes in our life. That's the wise thing to do. I mean, we could ask ourselves the question, why do a lot of younger people make bad decisions? Well, we can simply say there is an ignorance factor, right? Nothing wrong with that. We realize that we don't know what we don't know, right? We've all made bad decisions as young people thinking we know what we're doing, only to realize we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the experience, and so this looks good to me, but a lot of that is based on instant gratification. Will it make me happy? This is what I want. This is how good it will be. These are, and we, we just kind of start writing out this, this fairy tale narrative, right? But, but there is an ignorance factor that's built in, and that's why we tend to make a lot of mistakes. And, and then we think, well, I'll just learn by my mistakes, which is one of the biggest fallacies of humanity, right? Because if that was the case, then you would probably never make another mistake in your life. But what? 
We do over and over and over again. And you've probably made a mistake on that same issue that you said you would never do again. How many are real in the house here today? Yes? So there is an ignorance factor. And why? It's because as a young person, we have not yet developed a lifestyle of discipline or knowing what questions we should be asking. At what level of question that will move our legacy story in a positive direction rather than in a negative discussion. You say, well, Pastor, I know some of you are already ahead of me, so let me catch up to you, right? What about older people that make bad decisions? Well, there is an ignore factor for you. When we're younger, it's an ignorance factor, and we can kind of give a little bit of credence to that because you don't know what you don't know. But when we're older and we make bad decisions that ruin our legacy, that's not an ignorance factor. That is an ignore factor. How many know the difference? You see, the ignore factor is because we have ignored the known disciplines as an adult, right, that usually is a result of either pride lack of control, or a sense of self-sufficiency. And so really, from the time we're young until the time we're old, we recognize that we can get ourselves into trouble. And there's either an ignorance factor or there's an ignore factor that is keeping you and I writing a story that will not only bless you, but bless everything that is coming behind you as well. So I'm going to kind of quickly give you the five questions this morning. They're probably in your notes on the app, but you don't have to worry about them. We're going to unpack them throughout the entire series. We're going to learn the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Is there a moment without shade, without trying to even snow myself, is there an integrity question that needs to be answered in my life? Why I end up making some of the choices and decisions that I do. Number two is the legacy question. What story do I want to tell? This is who I am. This is what I'm after. This is the goal that I am pursuing. This is what I want to run after. This is what I want revealed of me. Thirdly, the conscious question. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Probably if you're a mom, God give moms at least that, at least the sixth sense if it's not a seventh and an eighth sense, right? How many have tried to do wrong only to know that you can never snow your mother, right? Like somehow they know the little schemes and plans that you're up to. Well, the older that we get, we realize that there is something inside of us that starts to get that us wrong. There is a tension, right? That what we're going to learn when we get that sensation, we have to stop and realize this deserves my attention. Something is happening Something is going wrong. And unfortunately, there are some kind of yellow flags, red flags, but we just have a tendency without knowing what to do in those moments to blow right past them. And that's where unfortunate things begin to occur in our life. The maturity question, again, why am I of this age, of this time in life, and still find myself in these kind of circumstances? Again, we're going to learn from, from Solomon in the Proverbs, what is the wise thing to do? And then ultimately, the relationship question. What does love require of me? 
Because sometimes we're going to be around people that are going to make the wrong decisions or maybe multiple wrong decisions. And there are going to be times, and Debbie and I have had it in our own lives, where we want to just throw up our hands and say, what's the use? Right? And it might be people close to you. And I realize the, the angst and the struggle and the fights. But the Bible tells us a wonderful question. What does love require of me? You see, it's hard for us to compare ourselves, certainly, to the love of God, but that's the goal. And how many are glad that God never gave up on you? How many of you would say, oh, pastor, it would have been so, so easy, but God never gave up? And it's hard for us because there is going to be a limit, there is going to be a line. And we say, well, pastor, where is that? So there is wisdom in understanding that. But we also recognize that there is a relationship question, whether in your home, in your life somewhere, that we have to ask, what does love require of me? Can I tell you that love, answering that question will change not only your life, it will change that person's life. Trust me on that. So let me just take a little commercial break for just a minute. So we're just kind of unpacking this overview a little bit. And I want to ask you seriously, Maybe as I've been talking today, maybe whether it's you, but your mind may be racing of a number of people that you're saying right now, man, I wish they were here today to hear this. So can I ask you, as we just start this series, that in these next couple of weeks, that you do everything that you can to bring those people to church with you. There's some of you saying, man, there are some people that have messed up their life. There are people, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's at your workplace, whatever. Maybe if you could challenge them and say, listen, I know that sometimes life is trust. My pastor is helping us to understand how we can live wise in a crazy world, to know that there are some questions, there is a, a pathway that will help you, and I would love for you to be my guest, and you bring them to church. You've got a disgruntled teenager, don't leave them at home. You bring them to church next Sunday. You have a young adult that is out there just making one bad decision after another. You do everything that you can to bring them to church. I think God's already talking to some of you to say, man, again, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. This is only the beginning and what would our story mean if God was given the opportunity to write a new chapter into their lives? So let me just finish with you this morning. You see, there's a couple of things over my lifetime that have bothered me. You see, number one is that life is consumed with decision-making. How many say, ugh, right? I mean, think about it. You, you probably don't think about it, but you probably made a hundred decisions already, and it's only 11.17 in the morning, right? You were deciding what time to get up, how many times you were going to hit the snooze bar, right? Were you going to have breakfast? Where were you going to get coffee? What were you going to wear today? Who were you going to see? Where were you going to serve do you need to stop to get gas and get into your I wonder what pastor's talking about today. I wonder if the band's going to be on today, right? I wonder if it's going to, did they remember to put the air conditioning on, right? There's, there's like a thousand decisions that you've already made, and it's only 11.18 now. What bothers me in life, the older that we get, and what bothers me even more is that sometimes I make the wrong decisions multiple times, like I still haven't learned my lesson. 
and knowing that questions and decisions are never going to stop. As much as they were brutal yesterday, guess what? They are going to be brutal today, and sorry to let you know, they're going to be brutal tomorrow as well. Life is consumed by decision-making. When I was younger and, and through a lot of my growing days, I oftentimes had a passion to go after some positions. There were some ladders that I wanted to climb. There were places that I wanted to be by the time I was 25, by the time I was 30, by the time I was 30. There were big goals that I wanted to see happen in my life, only to find there were just a thousand more questions and decisions that had to be made that I never had to make when I had the lesser position. We all kind of want the chair and we want to get to the top until you get there and a lot of us are just like, why did I do that? This is terrible. This is horrible. Now I've got more and more decisions to make every single day. Another thing that really bothers me is that my dog has it so easy. The biggest decisions that she makes every day is which bed am I going to sleep on tonight? Am I sleeping with dad? Am I sleeping in the guest room? Am I sleeping on the couch? You know, and, and, and one other thing that really kind of fries me as well is what treat will I accept from my master today? Listen, if you would, look, you would think that we own a candy store for the treats that we have in that bottom cupboard for our dog. And she knows certainly at this point that going outside automatically means that she gets a treat. Now, it started out, go outside, do your business, come in, be a good girl, you're going to get a treat. But no longer, right? And we have reinforced go outside, turn around, come right back in, sit at the treat door. How many have a dog like that, right? And the biggest decision she has, because my dog will turn her nose to treats in determination of which treat she wants at that time. So I pull out like one of the little pepperoni beef sticks, put it in her nose. I'm telling you, church, she sniffs it and just kind of gives me a little, yeah, I give her a little nudger deal, sniffs it, nope, not that either. And like a fool, I stand there for five minutes, treat after treat after treat after treat, until she finally accepts that one. That, that my friend, I will accept. And I look at her, I'm like, oh, if I only had your life, dog. It'll lay around all day and then tell me what you're going to have. You know, I kind of think back, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have just been great to stay in grade school your whole life? Huh? Watch this. Gee, I can't wait till I go to hike. Well, don't you say that. <laughs> don't you ever say that. Stay here. Stay as long as you can. For the love of God, cherish it. Jennifer, why don't you try reading out loud for a minute, okay? You gotta cherish it. <laughs> you do. Hmm. <laughs> Man, when I see that, I'm like, man, Billy Madison is right in one thing anyway. Man, I wish I could stay in elementary school my whole life, right? Listen, our futures are the byproducts of our decisions, kind of like a steering wheel. They determine our story. And there's more. Every decision becomes a permanent part of our story 
So I think it makes sense for us to stop whenever there is a decision-making juncture of life that we stop and consider, listen, not only what story do we want to tell, but maybe more importantly, what story will be told of us? Will we be a man of honor? Will we be a woman of honor? Will we be known as a wise man, a wise woman? You know, sometimes it was maybe you when you were young. We, we hear that story once in a while. They are what? Wise beyond their years. They learned the art of discipline. They earned the, the art of asking the right questions. And what do we affirm to them? They are wise beyond their years. You see, you are either writing a story that is going to have a positive direction or a not-so-positive direction. There is a story that you are trying to tell, but great, more great, there is a story that is being told about you. You see, the honesty part is, is that it might be slightly more advantaged the older that we get, but that's not totally true. You see, the earlier that we learn these truths, the earlier that we become wise, the more beautiful our story becomes. This last week, we had our ELC graduation, and we had eight little student graduates across the platform here in their caps and gowns, and it was amazing. Miss Caitlin um, is our pre-K teacher, and she led the, the program, and there was one little girl, I think her name was Adeline, and she sat in her cap and gown, and she sat kind of right in the center, and she was given the award for like almost like most likely to succeed, right? What, what Caitlin talked about her, if Caitlin would ever have to, you know, whether step out of the room or, or whatever, that, that she could just put Adeline in charge. Like she could run the class. I mean, she was, you know, up the speed. Some of you were that. Some of you have daughters like that, right? She sat up here, and she crossed she's on these little chairs, and she crossed her leg just like, a, just like a woman, you know what I mean? Kind of doing the little foot bouncy thing while graduating. And, and I just looked at my wife. I'm like, that girl is going places. I can tell you right that right now. Like she is writing, five years old, and she is writing her story, right? It's not always the mage because there is an ignorance factor or there is an ignore factor that has to come into play. Our decisions don't only determine the direction of our life, but the quality of our life as well. So let me just finish today with a truth bomb. Can I, can I lay one on you today? So regardless of how things are in your life or have gone in your life, are you ready? Come on, say, we're ready. No, you're not. No, you're not. Regardless of how things are going in your life or have gone, are you ready? No, you're not. <laughs> you are responsible for you. You see, you are writing your own story with every decision, either good or bad. And it gets worse if that's not bad enough. Because usually we think the results of a bad decision are what? Somebody else's fault. Hello? Truth bomb. Well, certainly couldn't be me. I can't be responsible for that. 
See, the truth is, is that we write our story, good or bad. Some of our decisions, some of our bad decisions, they may only slightly embarrass us. Some might provide some setback, and some, unfortunately, cripple and scar us, maybe even for the rest of our lives. How many have ever made four easy payments of $29.95, (laughs) only to realize that the product that you bought is only worth $29.95? How many of you picked a stock that was guaranteed to skyrocket? But what happened? You didn't ask enough questions, only to see it crash and burn. Some of you have racked up an insane amount of credit card debt, thinking that, doesn't this just pay for it? Like, doesn't this do it? You know, the average credit card interest payment today is 24%. Listen, if I can scare the life out of you today, the next time you get your credit card statement, just look at the box that says, if you only make the minimum payment, you are going to be paying on this until 2049. That should wake some of you up. Some of you picking a marriage partner in spite of multiple red flags and your best friend saying, no. Let me give you connection number four. Decisions are never made in an emotionally neutral environment. They are always influenced by our emotions and appetites. And here's the kicker. And they often overrule our intelligence. Somebody has probably said of you and you have probably said of someone else after they have made some decision in their life and you sat back and said, what were they thinking? You see, that's where oftentimes our emotions and our appetite outrule the wise, what is the wise thing to do? You can ask Adriel and the band, they can come and help me. You see, we don't want to believe that people plan to fail, but that's exactly what happens. That's happened in your life, that's happened in my life. That might still be happening Nobody decides to blow up their marriage, but every divorce is on the tail end of what? A string of decisions. Some unwise things that have been happening in your home. Nobody plans to raise irresponsible, codependent children, but I've watched plenty of parents aim their children in that direction. Rather than asking them questions, we simply give them the answers give them the candy, give them maybe to keep them out of our hair. Nobody decides it would be great to be an addict. Yeah! It comes back to making some bad decisions. And little do we know right now, even in the city that we are living in, it could be an eternally bad decision. Nobody plans to get buried under a mountain of credit card debt, but it happens. How? One purchase at a time, one decision at a time. And it's no one else's fault. It's either an ignorance factor on our behalf, we were unwise, we didn't know what we didn't know, or it was an ignore factor. This will make me happy. This will change my marriage. 
this will help me at my job. And we have ignored the principle of wisdom. We have ignored the principle for our pride, for our self-sufficiency. See, most people don't plan to mess up their lives, but far too many people don't plan not to. And so if you want to live with less regret, then I hope that you'll stick with me and I hope that you'll bring some people with you in these next weeks that we can flip the script and learn how to pause about what's in front of you and maybe find a lot better questions to ask that will produce much better results and far less regrets in your life as well. Amen? How about stand with me today? So Father, we pray today that you will help us with godly wisdom, with biblical truth, to ask more and to get less, get less pain, less problem, less regret, less struggle, to find wisdom, to sometimes put our ambition on hold to listen and hear truly what it is that you have for me, what you want for my life. And so oftentimes in messages like this in our days ahead, there are going to be more truth bombs to unload. They'll be challenging. There'll be things that we don't want to hear, things that we don't want to get into. But the only way we get free from them is to dig deep and to clear out some of the stuff, the misapplied judgments that we have made. And again, seek your word for truth and direction and help. And that we'd be part of a fellowship, we'd be part of a family that is committed to help one another, to not only write our story, but for us to help write the story of those that are coming behind us. That not only the story that we are writing or that we are telling, but even greater, the story that can be told of us. So I pray, God, that you will help everyone that has heard these words today be challenged to do their very best. For those that are in our family, those that are in our circle, God, that you will help us to be a blessing and to invite them and to challenge them to have these changes happen in their life as well. So we pray this together 